Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're such fucking dopes. You're not serious figures. I love you. But you are not. Serious people. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen. And I'm Kim Renfro. Welcome to the show. On this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to be discussing Succession, Season 4, Episode 2, entitled Rehearsal. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. And Twitter at Decoding TV. We're posting new videos there all the time. Before we get started today, you know, I, uh, the, what we do is we're going to spoil this week's episode. We're not going to spoil anything from future week's episodes, anything on the next time on preview, any foreknowledge that Kim and I may have of stuff that's going on. Um, and I also wanted to call out that over on T- decodingtv.com, we're posting bonus episodes. We posted our first one this last week with uh, David Cho, who Woo-hoo. basically. Uh, gives us an inside look at the world of the media elite and tells us whether or not what's in the show is BS or not. Um, and I thought it was a great conversation. Um, so throughout the season, we'll hopefully be having a few of those. And you can access all of them if you are a paid member at DecodingTV.com. Um, the first one is free, so be sure to check it out. It's on the main feed as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a really it, great conversation. I feel like okay. I learned, I got so much more like new info and, and perspectives from that chat. So 10 out of thanks. 10 recommend. <laughs> thanks, Kim. I appreciate that. And yeah, uh, thanks to everyone who's a paid member at decodingtv.com. whether you're paying for the bonus episodes or just supporting this podcast, we really appreciate it. Now, Kim, uh, got a lot of feedback from the last episode of the podcast and uh and you know combined with other things that i have learned i can safely say that i got virtually every single thing wrong i have said over the course of the last couple weeks um i don't know that you need to be that hard on yourself david let me list let me list a, a few of the things that i think i have gotten wrong um so first and i'm i'm putting it on me you know because uh, I uh, I would I'm I'm the producer of the show. It's my job to make sure. I mean, it's both of our jobs, but you know, <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to uh, fall on the sword, you know, for you here, Kim. Thank you. Um, but okay, the 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 uh, you know, let's get to the the big topic at the end. But as was pointed out in the uh, bonus episode that I did with David Cho, um, I think we we maybe mildly or slightly didn't quite nail the nature of Logan's relationship to ATN at the end of last episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, ATN is theoretically going to be spun off or like a separate unit from the new Matson Waystar Royco company and Logan will run ATN. So his conversation at the end of the last episode was still sad because he is now running a small fiefdom compared to his kingdom before. 
Um, but he does have some power in that situation. Uh, and we certainly saw a little bit of that in this episode as well. So I wanted to clarify that as a fa- like a mildly factual error that we uh, made in last week's episode. Speaking of factual errors or predictions, I said a few weeks ago on the podcast, hey, I, I bet you that Connor's wedding is going to be the culminating event of season four, <laughs> right? Because yeah. every season has ended with a wedding. Yeah. Right? Um, that now seems incredibly unlikely uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, first of all, we learned this episode that Connor's wedding is taking place tomorrow. So theoretically, next week's episode of the podcast or uh, the show and the podcast will cover the events that, that happened on the day of Connor's wedding. Um, unless something happens to postpone Connor's wedding. But I suspect that that's not going to happen hmm. for a variety of reasons. So mm-hmm. I wanted to... Uh, Mentioned that as well. That was another error that we made. And finally, or error, not, not error, just like a bad prediction I made. Uh, <laughs> and, and finally, uh, you know, we were a little bit celebratory about the Roy kids getting in a win over Logan Roy last episode of uh, Succession. Um, and we got a lot of emails at decodingtv at gmail.com saying, you were wrong to experience that as a victory. <laughs> Including... <laughs> including this one from Eric Johnson from the Follow Friday newsletter, who writes, quote, Hey, David and Kim, uh, I have a prediction for the future of succession. I think it's bad news for Shiv, Roman, and Kendall. When they're deciding whether or not to go after Pierce, they calculate how much they can offer based on how how much each of them will get when the Gojo deal is completed. When they're on the phone at the Pierce mansion with their banker, he sounds uneasy about going higher than 8.5, much less 10 billion. If the Gojo deal falls apart, or if Logan torpedoes it out of spite, the kids are completely screwed. They said the biggest number, but they may not even have the funds to back it up in a best case scenario. Between that and Connor blowing all his money to sustain his 1% uh, polling share, I wonder if the season ends with everybody poor. P.S. Pretty funny detail my partner saw on Reddit. Connor talks about spending $100 million of his campaign on his campaign, which, like his polling numbers, is 1% of $10 billion. <laughs> so... Anyway, thank you for that email from Eric Johnson from the Fall Friday newsletter. Uh, Kim, safe to say we got a lot of emails on this topic basically saying, hey, um, it's probably bad for the kid. You know, David Cho on the bonus episode was like, the kids are over leveraged. Like, they're not going to be able to pay. They could end up poor. It's not necessarily a great business. They didn't do do great due diligence on it, blah, blah, blah. Um, So, Kim, what is your reaction to all that? I mean, I think that this is one of those scenarios where it's there's not a right or a wrong answer, <laughs> which is where I'm going to start from. Because mm-hmm. like, I think it just depends on how you're watching the show and how you're interpreting victories versus defeats. And I think that they've done a, the show's done a really excellent job of setting up what a business win or loss looks like within this world. But I'm less interested in that in this final stretch than I am in the emotional losses and wins for yes. all of these characters. So I I think that these were all really great points. I also want to shout out, I believe someone mentioned, like, if this divorce is final, that's also a final. Like, if this divorce is moving forward, which that's what yeah. we found out in the final episode that like that's also a financial risk for for Shiv in addition yeah. to the to the Gojo deal and obviously we get into that more in this episode. And so I on I just wasn't even thinking that far ahead. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> to be yeah. honest in like, oh, is this actually is this is this 
I we were clear about like I don't want the deal to fall apart. But to me, the the victory there was the emotional victory for the kids. And that's when I'm like, maybe I'm misunderstanding what people mean when they say like, who are you rooting for? Or like, I'm rooting for Shiv to get a win in this situation. Not because I think she's a great person and I'm really excited about seeing Shiv Roy run her own media empire. Mm -hmm. It's because I've been really keyed into like, where the show is telling us these characters are starting out in any given episode or a season. And then like, what is the growth or what is the obstacle that they encounter and mm -hmm. do they overcome it? And in this case, I think that Logan has been nothing but an obstacle for every one of his children in them trying to do something that will either get his approval or get the public's approval or get their own internal self-worth back. And so to me, the victory in that moment was simply like, that the kids had stuck together, that they out-strategized their dad, which I will stand by that. Like, even if it was, even if they did um, over-leverage themselves, like, Logan was making strategic mistakes in that negotiation that lost mm -hmm. him right, the pierce right. deal. And they, they, they pulled it off in a way that he couldn't in that moment. And that, to me, was what I was reading as a victory. Does that... It does make sense to me. I think I think a lot of people are saying, you know, they didn't pull it off or they pulled it off in a bad way or in a way that's self-destructive. And those are all fair points. Yeah. But I, I tend to agree with you, Kim, that whatever the ultimate result of the Pierce bid, um, the kids got to experience joy for about eight seconds <laughs> uh, and good for them. And that, and that's kind of what we were celebrating. But yes, it might all go to hell afterwards. But that's kind of part of what the succession life is. You know, that's we that's always a possibility in succession. Yeah. Um I, I, I was with Kim in that we were tracking the emotional win and not like, is this actually a good business? Because acquiring a Wall Street Journal or New York Times like business obviously comes with a lot of potential challenges. Um so it's it's not like we're like, oh, this is a sound business decision. You know, yeah. it's just it's just something that they knew to get they figured out a way to get one over on their dad and hey. It's fine to celebrate that for a few seconds before we move on to yeah. their probably inevitable destruction, you know? Yeah, so. and like the 100 was clearly <laughs> a bad idea. I think that buying, <laughs> buying Pierce was the least worst of the mm. two ideas that they were floating in that situation. I don't know. Based on some of the things they talk about in terms of PGM's programming, you know, this episode, True. I don't know if it was that bad. But in any case, uh, thank you for all the emails at decodingtv.com. Like I read Eric's, but like we got, I don't know dozens of emails about it and so yeah uh, appreciate everyone chiming in we we love the dialogue i really Bef do before we move on to this episode there is one other thing i wanted to read uh this is from nate over at decodingtv.com. um just a great comment and i'm just like this is a great uh this is a thing that i'm going to be thinking about for a long time now um but a few weeks ago on our preview episode i said Hey, I think the idea of Greg being the final successor uh, would be pretty ridiculous and uh, very chaotic as a decision. And Nate wrote in the following, uh, quote, I have always loved the idea of Greg winning the throne slash being Logan's successor, in part because of what a deeply cynical ending that would be and how well I think that cynicism would reflect the series' outlook as a whole. Greg has spent this series spiraling the drain of morality while climbing the ranks solely through nepotism and deals with the devil. He has no mind for business, very little interpersonal aptitude for the politics of the Waystar Royco world, and no expressed interest in Logan's role. He is just some guy seeing how far he can make it up this ladder before someone realizes he is completely incompetent. 
Simultaneously, Greg is the audience surrogate. He finds the wealthy world of the Roys as alien as we do at first, but becomes accustomed to their amoral dealings and quickly becomes an active participant in them at the expense of his own values, which Tom mocks the very idea of. We like Greg and we make excuses for him. We do not judge him as harshly as Kendall or even Tom because on some level we're meant to feel that he's like us and we wouldn't do the wrong things in his shoes. Greg as a successor would be an indictment of the corporate media world this show exists to lampoon as well as of the audience for empathizing with and making excuses for a character with just as much blood on his hands as the wealthy we condemn in our day-to-day political rhetoric and behaviors, end quote. Just a thoroughly rip-roaring good comment. Hell yeah. Uh, And it is true, like, how deeply cynical and dark and almost nihilistic an ending that would be if Greg was the one that ended up being logan's successor he he you know nate already said it best no skills terrible <laughs> people uh doesn't even want the job if he's the one that gets a job it's like truly the uh the portrait of the media world is now complete uh, portrait, that the show has given us portrait of a white man failing up <laughs> to the most like extreme degree for sure when i was uh Let's just say I have worked a corporate job in the past, and I will not say where I heard this, but I remember somebody sharing with me the phrase promoted into incompetence. Have you heard that phrase before? But <laughs> no. the idea is that like somebody was telling me, oh, so-and-so was promoted into incompetence. Um, I think I think it was the phrase. But it's it's basically like at some point you keep promoting someone. Like let's say you like someone and you promote them to a higher position. Eventually, you promote them to the point where they can no longer do the job because they do not have the skills. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, sometimes they perform so poorly that you have to get rid of them. Um, but that's something that, that is a real dynamic in the corporate world. Yeah. Uh, and so it is plausible to me that Greg has gotten to where he is, certainly. Whether he could get to the highest seat in all the land, uh, I still, I still think the show is not quite that cynical, but... Uh, I, I would love that as a possible ending. So I think that there's also an aspect to it with Greg that rings really true to me in that like he has a certain level of audacity that <laughs> only comes with like a certain white man brand of like confidence mixed with I don't really know what I'm doing. And like for him that I don't know what I'm doing makes him do really bold things like in the in the early seasons like getting in the car with logan and marcia right away like you know like squished <laughs> yeah. between them or yeah. going up to the waystar royco desk being like oh i, be- I believe i have a job here <laughs> like very yeah. few people do that in real life because like we're all operating out of a place of like insecurity or like i don't want to ask for more than i've earned or whatever and so yeah the fact that greg has just wormed his way up to the ranks that he already has i think shows an intense uh arc for him already and yeah Yeah. i I can see it going full chaos mode that would be amazing it would be such a bold decision if they did that but i don't know it would just it's conceivable it's conceivable Mm -hmm. so we'll see okay well let's get into our discussion of season four episode two rehearsal and uh do just want to say again, thank you for all those comments and emails. DecodingTVGmail.com, uh, DecodingTV.com. Y'all are awesome. We love chatting about these shows and being in dialogue with you about them. Kim, overall thoughts on this week's episode of Succession? Oh, 
this was a sad one to me. Like yeah. sad, sad and funny, which is a good, that's a good succession combo that they pull off. Um, but yeah, I was a little, it was tough to see the, the Roy, next gen Roy starting to fracture already. <laughs> Uh, and I think that they're continuing to do something really interesting, which we talked about in episode one of like not showing us a lot of sides of conversations. So mm-hmm. this, this episode also raised like a lot more questions for me. And so now mm-hmm. I'm like trying to kind of orient myself in the season. I think I liked the first episode a little bit more, but I don't know. What about you? Well, uh, overall, very positive. I almost cried watching this episode, Kim, which is something oh. that never happens while while watching Succession because of what happened. The Connor storyline this episode really yeah. got to me. Um, but yeah, it 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 profoundly affected me. Um, and so for that reason alone, it's a great episode. I also love how this episode really leans into awkward work things. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, that's what I. The show has never been a. Uh, a replacement for the office or anything like that. But whenever it does go into office, like ter- the office, I'm talking about the TV series, the yeah. office, whenever it goes into the office, like territory, I'm always very grateful because it always is very sharply observed in my opinion. And there's a, a bunch of those little moments in this episode. Totally. Um, but uh, on the downside, it's like, Hey, literally the thing that I said, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of, is what's happening, which is they're repeating the exact same, not only dynamics, but the same storyline from last season, which is like, yeah, hey, we already had a whole thing where they try to close this deal, and oh, they close the deal, but now it's like, but did they really close it until the board vote takes place? Nope, so they're going to play the the same thing again with Roman and Logan and all this, so it's like, okay. At the same time, Still compelling stuff, you know. I'm still gonna wa- I still enjoy watching it. Love the dialogue, amazing moments. But it's like it really. I, I I was afraid that the show is like kind of out of new ideas, and so far nothing I'm seeing is reassuring me that it it has a mm. bunch of new ideas this season. You know, um. So anyway, yeah, I've been dwelling upon that, especially after this episode when I was like, oh, okay. We're right back in the secret phone yeah, calls. Literally the same thing meeting. again. Yep. We want some more money. Everyone's lying to each other about their motivation for why they're trying to do that half the time. But like, it's like now I'm I, I I'm trying to understand as we're in this end game period. At this point, I'm now like, okay, is the whole series really going to just be Logan trying and failing? <laughs> to mm-hmm. sustain this media empire mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because i think and that's the other thing where like i'm like when people really position the kids as being strategically weak i'm like logan has a really good front of success or power or control over situations but really like this is now the what third or fourth time that he's about to lose an important deal that is vital for like the continuation of this thing that he's built Mm -hmm. because he just cannot get a handle on all of the personal relationships and or he's damaged so many relationships Mm -hmm. that he can't rescue his majority when he needs to right and like that if they are building towards that point i will be 
that could I be satisfying. More could understanding be yeah, of yeah. the cyclical nature of this. Whereas right. I, I want, I want there to be some sort of interesting, different, definitive outcome here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, we're in a little bit of shaky territory if they're going to land me there right now or not. It's a great point about like what it taken as a whole, what is the series? Maybe Kim, uh, yeah, the cyclical nature of media is what it's trying to say. It's like you keep trying to acquire things and it keeps failing and then eventually you die. You know, maybe that's what this <laughs> is trying to say. But, and we all the- suffer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but we'll see. It, it is a little disappointing that it does seem to be reusing extremely similar dynamics. You know, the biggest change to the status quo, honestly, is Tom and Shiv splitting up in this. Season, yeah. You know, and that, that is genuinely interesting. And I think if they explore that more, that'll be good. But, uh, so far it's been a lot of the same. Let's take a break. Talk about a sponsor. We'll be right back with more decoding TV right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, Kim, the episode opens um, and there is a cold open. Uh, We see Logan walk into his car uh, and Carrie asks him how he's feeling after telling him that everything seems to be nailed down for tomorrow, meaning the board meeting and officially closing the deal with Gojo. Logan says he feels great and he tells her to axe that chopper. They can fucking walk, referring to the kids private helicopter that they're planning to use. Uh, and then uh, he, Logan starts to head to ATN for a surprise drop-in from the bus. We then cut to the Roy kids. They are at a retreat near Albany, uh, a, a business corporate strategy retreat to kind of figure out what to do with the new $10 billion thing, that they, the media asset they've acquired. Uh, P- yeah, just now figuring yeah, that out. Exactly. <laughs> P, uh, PGM, which I think stands for Pierce Global Media, is the name of the company. Uh, something we talked about in the bonus episode, Kim, uh, and I, I don't remember if you, re- I don't know if you recall, but when Logan initially bid for Pierce in season two, do you remember how much he offered? I, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's way more. And then you and David were talking. It's yeah, it was tw- 25? 25 billion. Was 25 what he offered. billion. And now oh it's like, God. wow, the kid's going up to 10 is a big deal. you know. Yeah. Like, so the show does do a good job of reflecting heavily depreciating media company values over the course of the last few years, mm. um, which is sobering. Yeah. And or Nan the, re- the, the previous bloat of them, perhaps, mm. as well. Mm. Nan really should have, or, or you know, frothy valuations, perhaps. Mm. Nan, uh, Nan really should have uh, taken that deal. You know, I think in, in retrospect, probably could have used the 25 billion, you know. Um, but that's that's what you get for trying to stick to your values in this world, Kim. You know, honestly. Anyway, so uh, they are trying to figure out what to do with PGM, and 
talking about how they don't like a lot of the programming and <laughs> Kendall is like, what if we just had a show that was like Africa every single day, you know? And, uh, and I think Shiv says that sounds like homework that you watch or something along those lines. And it was, uh, it, it's clear that these, what I love is like, like between the hundred and these ideas that they're saying in this meeting, it's clear, like they don't really have great ideas in my opinion for, how to turn this venture into, I think we're meant to think that they, they don't really know what they're doing. That's kind of my sense. Um, yeah. Or that they're all, they're just throwing everything at the wall. Right. And trying to see what sticks with investors or advertisers or like what's going to get them, what's going to get them money just seems to really be their focus. And if their thing, if Ken thinks that it's international reach, Roman says he wants just clockwork orange shit at prime time, AKA yeah. like probably what ATN like what he's seen his dad do at ATN, which is like, how do we get people to just plunk in front of a TV and like feel horrified and angry all the time? And then, yeah, Shiv is just like so not even in the conversation that I'm like, this is this is painful. You guys were on a high and then we're immediately seeing that like the resulting it's like their come down from the the victory of actually buying is them being like, oh, fuck, now we have to. Now you have to do the thing. Now we have, have to do, do the thing. thing, and I I don't know if we could do this. Yeah. Yeah. Shiv gets a call from her assistant or uh, someone who's handling her and is informed that uh, several of the lawyers that she wants for the divorce have been conflicted out. Uh, she then explains later what that is, but uh, I learned about this from Big Little Lies, Ooh. that apparently what you can do is if you are um, divorcing someone, you can like meet with all the top divorce lawyers in town uh, and like maybe retain them. Maybe you don't need to retain them or like get advice from them or something. And then after that point, they can no longer be your wife's uh, or your spouse's representation uh, representation because they have a conflict of interest. So they are conflicted out, I think is how it works. Um, Pretty, pretty brutal way to do things uh, in my opinion. I, I wouldn't, you know, uh, <laughs> that's not something I would consider doing uh, if I ever needed to go down that path. But obviously, uh, if, uh, if things are very acrimonious, you could totally see that taking place. Um, but yeah, uh, Shiv caught on her back foot here uh, because Tom has already, at the advice of Logan, I think, yeah, uh, figured out a way to conflict out all the best lawyers in, in New York. Uh, so then there's the opening credits and... I didn't know if there's anything else I wanted to say about the the cold open, Kim. Uh, no, just I think it's I think it's it was nice to like pick up pretty much the next morning. I'm assuming mm-hmm. the next day, a no, couple I, days later. Oh, you mean for the this episode in general? Yes. yes. Yeah, like I I liked the quick pickup, and then yeah, this cold open kind of drops us right in. Like the kids are on their back foot, and Logan is also as much as he seems like bleeding, like. Oh, I'm great. I'm great. He seems on edge to me after his very sad birthday. So mm-hmm. that's just sort of where I think that they're starting us off here. So then we have the opening credits over on Tom's end. He gets a call from Shiv confirming, confirming that he successfully conflicted out the top lawyers. Um, he's heading out of the ATN office when Greg calls and tells him Logan is lurking on the floor. Uh, and then uh, we get confirmation that Waystar is gone and this is home for Logan going ahead. Uh, Logan mentions that Carrie, his assistant friend and advisor, has an audition <laughs> tape out to Sid and Tom and asks them what they think of it. And they both are really waffling on 
providing the answer for uh, this question. It seems we, we learn later that Carrie has been promised to anchor her own show. Uh, we then see glimpses of the tape. I felt mixed about this because on the one hand, there was some stuff in the tape that I thought would have been plausibly in such a tape where she's like suddenly smiling, you know, or not smiling. And that feels like very awkward and weird, but also like it could have plausibly been left in. But then there's sometimes when she like stumbles and can't say something. And I just can't imagine that being in an audition tape because on a rare occasion, even I will take out a stumble from a podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. So if she's trying to audition for a show, I can't imagine she would submit something unfinished. Uh, Mm -hmm. Either way though, everyone's watching this Carrie tape and laughing at her throughout the course of the episode. Uh, And so uh, I love the scene where Logan is asking Tom and Sid about the tape and they're trying to be like, what do you think about the tape? And he's like, I'm not going to answer your question. You know, you tell me. And, uh, and they tried to like mealy mouth their way out of the whole thing. It feels very accurate to me as to how yeah. this might take place. So, yeah, I really think that it seems to me like Logan is full, is like threw her under the bus. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a, if it was like a live studio taping thing where they're like, mm, okay, yeah. re- try to read from this teleprompter as if you're on the live news. And then like, that's, that's why every single like stumble and cut is yeah, in there. Fair, Cause fair. you also see her like, she doesn't know what to do with her hands at one point. Like her yeah. hands, her hands go out and then back and then she folds them. And it's like all of these, like all of these little nervous ticks that, yeah, it makes sense to me if you're in an audition and you're trying something for the first time. But like, mm, yeah, I, I, she was set up to fail. And yeah, Logan is completely absolving himself of any responsibility and giving her the actual feedback that, she can't be his friend, assistant, and advisor, and anchor on ATN right now. Yeah, I agree about the setting up to fail. Like, it, it, she, I think she has some core talent and could have been developed in such a way that yeah. would have been good. But he, he, it seems like he promised her a thing and then took it away. Like, had his underlings take it away from her. And you know, regardless of how terrible Carrie might be or the, the awful thing she's been. Uh, helping Logan to do uh, not a cool thing to do to Gary, I think she um, had her betrayal cherry popped as uh, <laughs> as Kendall so aptly put it later. Yeah. Everyone decides that the best thing for the company right now would be a rousing speech from Logan to the newsroom. Uh, this was awesome. In my opinion, very, a uh, lot of uh, fascist undertones to the speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Brian Cox at his best. I thought it was amazing when he gives a speech and like, uh, rallies the troops and and you kind of get a glimpse of why this guy became a big deal in the first place in my opinion um at least in this world like uh but it's also very chilling the music that plays under it is evil like evil music for a creepy person that plays and um and you get a sense that like he if this person achieves what he's aiming to achieve dark things will happen to our society uh what did you think of this big speech kim i also found it chilling and a really good example of logan effectively being like a war leader when he needs to be like it's Mm -hmm. a very it was a very like rallying of the troops cry and i was also really cognizant throughout this whole episode of like the theme of cowardice Mm -hmm. um between like tom and greg and and even sid being like too afraid to actually tell Logan what they thought about Carrie's tape and then to eventually confront Carrie, the kids having to like do their own sort of bravery or standing up to people, even Willa, 
like it takes a lot I think to like stand up at your rehearsal dinner and be like I can't do this actually and then to like try to go through with it anyways but in this Logan really like is yelling at them about how like we need to be we need to do what our competition won't, which is say the true thing everyone knows and no one will say because they're too lily-livered is how he puts it, which is mm-hmm. another way of saying cowardly. And I just think it's interesting that Logan can like bleat so much about the cowardice of other people, but he is also very cowardly, I think, yeah. in his own personal relationships. And and just like with being open to love or any warm or tenderness feelings too and so it's just it's such a there's such a contrast between this like yeah powerful angry motivating business leader and then the the type of cowardice or lack thereof that he can show in other areas of his life yeah great point uh but I was struck by how rare it is we've seen Brian Cox's character in front of a large group of people like trying to rally them like this. You can imagine in the early days of ATN, there would have been many speeches like this. Um, and I'm just glad we finally got a chance to see what that was really like. Yeah. Um, it, it is effective. It's chilling. It's dangerous. Uh, and I thought it was really well done. So, Okay. Logan, Carolina, and Carrie had to review their board meeting presentation uh, they do some PR strategizing about the Gojo sale. Uh, but as Logan walks into the room, he can hear Hugo laughing at Carrie's audition tape. Um, Hugo then spectacularly fails to cover his ass when he's forced to present his computer screen and the Carrie tape c- comes up. Very funny. This is what I was talking about in terms of the totally. office stuff. Um, earlier on, also when Logan's like, hey, is 50 a bigger or 40 a bigger number than 15? And the guy's like, <laughs> yes. And he's like, yes, absolutely. You're correct. You know, like this kind of like office humor where, you know, ridiculous absurd things occur him standing uh, on the paper boxes yes, because like yes. they didn't actually figure out how <laughs> newsroom meetings would happen mm-hmm. in this like newly constructed yeah, ATN yeah. building a lot of a uh, lot of fun stuff like that mm-hmm. my interpretation was that logan decided during the course of this episode that carrie having her own show would be a bad idea that was kind of my I didn't think he like had decided but i think he see he sees fisher stevens laughing mm. he sees tom and sid's reaction and he's like and then he decides this is not a good idea. And then later he says to Tom, like, kill this carry thing. Um, that was my interpretation. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. but That makes sense because this scene is was so painful. And Carolina being like, just try. Just open, <laughs> just open your computer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, and Logan's no. like, it, it appears to be functioning. Please give it a shot. You know, it's no. like. <laughs> um, and the have fact. You, have you ever had an embarrassing thing show up on the screen when you've been presenting at work, Kim? No, because I think I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the mistake be made that yeah. now if I am ever presenting something, I fully like close every single program. Yeah, yeah. Put my devices on do not disturb, like close all the tabs. So yeah, that was a goof that I would not have made, but seemed very realistic in the situation well, of like, he came early to the meeting, you were watching this thing on your personal computer and then you just shut it. yeah which means the second you open it, it's going to start replaying. Yeah, you got at least pause and then, you know, uh, press window plus the D button and that will put (laughs) you to desktop. Um, I think the the problem that happens a lot these days is all these notifications. So Mm -hmm. if you're on uh, Windows, 
oftentimes when you get an email, it shows a little preview of the email in the bottom right corner of your screen. If you're on Mac and you get a text, you know, you'll get a text on like the top right and people can see every, they can see the whole content mm-hmm. of all that stuff. If you have tabs open and you're, you know, uh, working on your resume or at indeed.com or whatever, you know, people can see all that stuff. And so it's just like, yeah, if you're ever presenting, um, cl- Kim, great approach. Close all your programs. Turn off notifications. Um, do not let what happened to Fisher Stevens' character happen to you. It's completely avoidable. I've seen like TikToks where, you know, this woman's getting messages from her date, her first date last night during like a presentation to a big, you know, panel, and it's like pain. Yeah, pain. <laughs> yeah, I loved, I loved this scene, and I think, I think I agree with you that Logan watching. Or Logan seeing Hugo and Jerry reacting the way that they are is a is like a turning point signal to him of like, oh, I'm not I'm not being taken seriously anymore by proxy of Carrie. Like mm-hmm. people people mm-hmm. are laughing at the person who right now is like the closest proxy I have to like yeah. a friend, assistant, and advisor. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of agree with you that he was hoping that someone else would just take care of it. And then he watches that like, Oh, it's actually not being taken care of. And it's spiraling out of control to the point that it's like a meme at yeah, a, a meme yeah. among the execs that like this hilarious thing is happening. Yeah. So later Tom and Greg are waiting in the break room and Logan comes in and starts nitpicking over how many pizzas are ordering. Once Another Greg funny thought- office thing. <laughs> well, so a, a few thoughts on this, right? Um, First of all, Logan is very into, despite the fact that he just made a shit ton of money or will make a shit ton of money, assuming the sale closes, which we don't know if it will. uh, Logan is very into costs this episode. Mm -hmm. Earlier on, they talk about the ATN office and he says, I wonder what the AC bill is in here because it's such a big open space. And then he's like, you grew 15%, but your costs went up 40% or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, And then, then with these pizzas... He's talking about why are there so many pizzas? We have seen this actual scenario play out in real life very recently um, when Elon Musk acquired Twitter for $44 billion and has started slashing costs dramatically, but stuff that you wouldn't think is the importance. I mean, mm. for him, he's slashed everything. He's The, the workforce has gone down by two thirds since he joined. Um, They've sold off all the kitchen equipment at Twitter because they're like they don't they're not making food anymore. But um, there were reports, uh, I think, a few months ago of the office um, stinking like it smelled like shit because they stopped paying janitors to come in and clean it up. People bringing toilet paper into the office they, they You bring your own toilet paper to the office because they're they can't count on toilet paper being there. Um, and. It struck me as like, hey, this is a thing that billionaires do. They buy a thing or they you know, launch a thing or whatever. And, uh, and then they're like, oh, um, why are we spending money on this? Why are we spending money on this? And they're like penny pinching these like incredibly minor things that don't actually matter that much, but they make your workers 1% happier. Uh, and eventually, you know, uh, more cuts come and or workers leave because the work environment's so terrible. It's a bad environment to be in when you have somebody who's that high up wondering about one worker's email productivity, which is something that happens this episode. Yeah. 
I've seen it happen many times. Whereas people who are like that high up, they shouldn't be focusing on how many pizzas are being ordered. They shouldn't be focusing on what your email per hour ratio is. Yeah. But they are. It's not a good use of their time. It's completely demoralizing for everyone on the ground. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was incredibly accurate the way that the show depicted it this episode. So. Yeah. I think if I had to hone in on themes for this episode, it would be like cowardice, greed, and love and how all of those things intersect. And I think mm -hmm. that we see a lot of like really, yeah, like specific numbers being pointed out in terms of either, uh, like you said, like, you know, costs are up 40% or like even down to the little bit, which not to jump ahead too much, but like when Sandy and, Sandy and Stewie ambush the kids in New York and they're like, let's just have a chat real quick. We got a suite across the street. And I was like, are you, you paid probably what, <laughs> $2,000 to book a New York City hotel suite at the last minute so that you can have a quick conversation about how you can get more hundreds of millions of dollars out of this person because you feel like you don't have enough money right now or you feel like you want you want or need or are entitled to more money out of the situation and it's just like the contrast of like how wealthy people spend some money in a way that like the average person simply would never like for me spending 250 dollars on a hotel room is like usually my max right and that's mm -hmm. when i'm sleeping in it not having a business meeting. And mm -hmm. so all of the different ways that these people either do or do not keep costs into consideration or like in mm -hmm. in perspective when they're making decisions is incredibly fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, Logan confides to Tom about Carrie and Tom uh lies and says she's great but then gets a sense that logan wants him to torpedo this whole thing which he then kind of agrees to do and he says i'm not involved um very similar to greg's whole like hey you got i don't want to be there at guantanamo thing from last episode with the uh -huh. with the removal of the the photos cowardice yeah so this becomes greg problem uh and he does not actually have any of the skills to execute it well uh so he talks to carrie and kind of breaks the news to her it's incredibly painful. Um, it's like he's doing a sadder version of the plan that Tom, like Tom's plan was already bad to begin with, but then he's doing like a much sadder version of it. And it's just like, he, he would have gotten way farther if he just sat her down and said the thing that was going to happen. Like, Hey, you're not having a show. Um, Tom and I have decided it's not going to, you know, whatever the plan is, but like yeah. this whole mealy mouth, like maybe you do, maybe you don't, maybe the focus group, maybe it's not like, it's brutal to watch. It would have been brutal if it was a skilled person executing it. Yeah. And to watch an incompetent person, ex incompetent person executing it is just brutal. So, um, more pain. any other thoughts on this uh, storyline before uh, we talk about the kids again? I just could watch Carrie and Greg. I hope Carrie and Greg have a conversation in every episode this mm -hmm. season. I would. Yeah. I would watch more <laughs> of that. I think that they play so well off of each other. It is pointed out that Greg is a bit of a sex pest uh, uh -huh. in, by Carrie. You know, like uh, she, he says, you know, I, can I grab you for a second? And she's like, why not? You've already grabbed every other woman in New York, you know. So uh, I am curious if that's going to uh, come back into play later on. Um, you could see that potentially negatively impacting Greg's journey to the throne. Uh, but we'll see. Also, so fast before I forget, 
another part of that scene with Logan in the newsroom and Greg being a sex pest always makes me think of Tom being weird in some way. Uh, But when Tom really quietly says to Logan, I could kiss you from here. Did you catch that? That's what he like Mm. when Logan steps up on the boxes and I'm going to I'll watch it again with captions as soon as I can. But like Tom makes this weird joke because all of a sudden Logan is level with Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. where he says something like I could kiss you from here. And like Logan just kind of like gives him a weird look and doesn't say anything. But I was like, what a strange like Tom is just Tom and Greg are on a whole new level this season Mm -hmm. with like what seems to be some sort of like verbal diarrhea <laughs> like mm-hmm, they just cannot mm-hmm. they cannot hold themselves in and so yeah greg was on another level this episode tom is is a a total wild card to me right now in terms of what he might say or not say at any moment in a scene but yeah back to the roy kids Roman and Kendall watch Carrie's bad audition tape uh, and Shiv calls Sandy Furness. And then we kind of learn what the dynamics are about the the deal. Now, my understanding of where this ends up, right? So, uh, you know, the kids try to go back. The helicopter's not there. It's actually a great scene when the helicopter takes off in front of them. Cause it's like, I can't, you know, Logan, it's obviously massive amounts of fossil fuels. Oh God, uh, yeah. Whenever a helicopter takes off. He, he just, you know, we're just wasting this helicopter takeoff just to spite the kids. Um, it reminded me of, honestly, uh, I believe, Kim, there are rather wealthy parts of California, like in the Orange County area, where people will take helicopters and just like uh, to the beach and just hover there for like hours while um, they watch the sunset, I think, is is a thing that I believe is something that happens. My wife has oh, told me about it. Oh my god! So it, it, you know, people, uh, people's helicopter usage reflects uh, their level of wealth in many ways, and these people can just tell a helicopter to f off, and it's, it's just a mild inconvenience for them. Yep. Um, they get a car, head back to the city, and then these are the dynamics of the deal, as far as I can understand them. Right? Is Shiv uh, has been pitched to by the Furnesses to like, hey, sabotage this deal because we can get more money. Roman actually wants the deal to happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, Shiv actually thinks they can get more money, right? Uh, and and doesn't think that they... Doesn't want to sabotage the deal, like, just to kill it. She wants to get more money. Right. Roman doesn't want to sabotage the deal. And Kendall gets a call from Matson, who says, hey, if you give me a hard time, I'm going to walk away from the deal. And then Kendall's like, maybe we should give him a hard time. So yeah. Kendall actually, I think, actively wants to sabotage the deal. So they're yeah. coming at it from three different... Uh, desires of what to do with the deal. Yep. Did that match with your understanding? Yes. And especially each, the fact that they're both coming at it from different places and that they are each withholding a piece of information from each other about why they're coming at it from those different places. They're all kind of lying to each other in in a Either by omission or outrightly. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Shiv fails on soft floating a Sandy Stewie meeting. Um, and uh but then they accost them as you said you know in in new york um but they don't want to deal with them like the the roy kids don't want to deal with sandy and stewie they're just like we're we're done with this uh the youngest kids finally arrive for connor's rehearsal dinner but are intercepted uh by sandy and stewie uh they head inside and they see willa leaving the dinner looking strained 
Uh, it's it's an awkward interaction. Like, why is she leaving? What's going on? When they go in, Connor says Willis stood up to talk and said, I can't do this and left. Uh, and then a conversation ensues where they're like, what are we going to do? Um, and, you know, what plays out is Connor says, hey, I want to go sing karaoke. At the, at the same time, Shiv is like, I want to go home and we got to figure out what to do about this boardroom or board meeting. Uh, and this is... Certainly not the first time that a major deal has been going down at a family event, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Kendall giving Logan the bear hug on the day of Shiv's wedding. Uh, At the Roy kid's parents' uh, mom's wedding, there was the whole Gojo deal going down. And now Connor's about to get married and all they're doing is talking about a deal. And what I love about this show and these scenes in particular is how, like, when you are at these levels of business doings, um, you you have there is no room for um, personal milestones. Basically, mm-hmm. there is no room for holidays. I remember mm-hmm. talking with somebody who was like at a company that shall remain nameless, but a coworker of mine that was saying how like, yeah, the last three Thanksgivings I spent, you know, on call waiting near my phone and working, you know, Mm. on my bed at my, at my parents-in-law's house, you know? And it's like, um, and you can imagine in the corporate world when you're at this high level and deals are going down at this level, at this rate, you cannot ever assume that a personal event will not be interrupted. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really, really sad. It's really, really sad. Cause Connor is like, the thing about Connor is, you know, if, if it was a normal person in that situation, he'd be like, Hey guys, this is kind of uncool what you're doing. But I think Connor is like so used to it at this point yeah. that he doesn't even say anything. He just has a kind of like resigned look on his face for most of the episode. He um, almost just seems happy that they showed up at all, even though yeah. they missed the entire rehearsal dinner. Yeah. Sad. Uh, but yeah, Connor is trying to track Willa to see if she's actually going to flee, you know, throughout the entire evening. And then they decide to take to a dive bar. They go to a karaoke bar. Um, and a few things come to light. They, they discuss the nature of the deal. It comes out that Roman has been texting back and forth with Logan, which is a big kind of betrayal. Shiv reveals that they said that they wouldn't text with him until he apologized. Which, by the way, to me is like pretty silly. Like the kids still largely come off as spoiled brats to me because you know, Mm. what did Logan do? Yes. He betrayed the quote unquote betrayed them by like removing their voting power, but like it's his company, you know, like he can Mm. do what he wants with it in my opinion. Um, But they're like, until he apologizes for exercising his rights as the head of the company, um, we're not supposed to talk with him anymore. So I read that a little differently in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe just because I've spent too much time thinking about childhood trauma and Mm -hmm. how people relate to their parents. But like Shiv specifically using the phrase no contact Mm, was interesting to me because that is a very – that's kind of wormed its way into pop psychology that I've been seeing online lately of like – of an adult child of an abusive parent, whether emotionally abusive or physically abusive, which it seems like Logan was a mix of both depending on which kid you were. Yeah. Uh, deciding to go no contact as a way of setting a boundary of like, I'm no longer going to like allow you into my life to potentially continue to abuse me type of thing. However, it's like clear that they did this very like, like they're like, we all agreed no contact. And I'm like, did you all actually talk about why you were doing that? Or like Mm -hmm. what, 
all of your feelings were or did you was it all just framed around this Italy thing which is kind of what right. it seems like but right. like 100 percent I, I don't Shiv- have any faith I don't have any faith that they had a meaningful discussion about what the implications of that no were. which is so. why once Logan finally appears it turns into this like brutal family therapy session without it actually being that because none of them have actually done the emotional work to yeah. figure out how to have that conversation yeah indeed um by the way speaking of privacy and social faux pas around technology uh here's a tip for you actually uh anyone who's listening to this who wants a little bit more privacy when it comes to the texts um you can make it so that when you get a text on your iphone uh it doesn't show the full content of the text on your on your home screen like yeah. when it's locked um, I have it so that it just shows who the person is um, and it doesn't show the actual text. And um, I'm not saying that would have saved Roman from an awkward situation, but it could have helped. Yeah. You know? Also the irony of like Kendall being like, we need to see her. or like Shiv being like, I need to see your phone. And then Kendall being like, yeah, we need trust. And I'm like, bro, if they opened your <laughs> phone right now, they would see that you were just FaceTiming with Matson <laughs> like minutes ago. I don't think that's a conversation you want to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you ask a question here in the show notes that I, I kind of had a similar question to as well, which is why was Connor getting married on the board meeting deal day? That's weird. Yeah. Like, I guess the, uh, we can assume that maybe the wedding was planned for, oh no, I mean, I guess the acquisition and the engagement happened in a similar time frame, right? So it's not like they had way more time to plan for the wedding than for the deal. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that's Logan being Logan and just not caring about Connor and being like, sorry, this is the best day for it. We'll try to do both or yeah. But either way, it feels crappy for Connor that those two things are happening or were supposed to happen on the same day, which therefore meant that he would not have his dad with him on his big day. Yeah. Which I just realized Logan says that later. Like that's his like I'm coming to you for unity thing where he's like I just really thought it would be nice if you were with me on my big day. And he's talking about his sale. Yeah. Yeah. In the while Connor is sitting there and Connor's wedding day is supposed to be mm-hmm. the next day. Mm-hmm. So again, it just all comes back to all Logan's uh It's a it's a weird thing. I, you know like yeah, I guess it makes us for a story perspective, but you know, the writers are probably like, How can we generate some more tension? Let's have this big Matson confab yeah. on the day of Connor's wedding. Then we can cut back and forth between the two things next episode. And it's like, okay, would it actually take place like that in real life? I don't know, but um fair enough. Fair enough. So anyway, they go do karaoke, uh, and Connor is tormenting Roman with a rendition of Leonard Cohen's famous blue raincoat. Uh, which Roman refers to as some Guantanamo shit right there. It's actually, uh, I don't condone joking about Guantanamo, but it is pretty hilarious watching Roman's misery at this scene. Uh, and what do you think? Do you think there's any significance to this song, Kim? I hadn't heard this song before. So sorry to any diehard Leonard Cohen fans out there. Yes. Um, but as I do, anytime that a song or a book or a poem comes up in a TV show, I just went and listened to the whole thing and read it. And yeah, I was like, why why this song? And there's a stanza, there's a verse in it where the lyrics are, and what can I tell you, my brother, my killer? What can I possibly say? I guess that I miss you. I guess I forgive you. I'm glad you stood in my way. 
which feels very relevant to both all of the siblings dynamics with each other and also Logan and this sort of like, oh, am I trying to kill dad? Am I trying to fuck dad? Am I trying to kill my brother? Fuck my brother over. Are you standing in my way for the benefit of me right now? Which I think Logan tries to claim he does for his children from time to time, where like he tries to say, oh, I'm only doing this because you aren't actually as skilled as you think you are and I'm protecting you or I'm trying to like force you to go build your own thing or whatever. But Mm -hmm. just a lot of conflicting, Mm -hmm. a lot of conflicting and really intense feelings described in that just like verse of a song that I felt were relevant to Connor and the other kids and what they might be going through emotionally. Logan and Carrie arrive to this private room um logan tries to get them to leave the room and then they refuse and then they have the conversation there and i thought that was amazing because we have never seen logan interact in any space that remotely looks like this aesthetically before like it's always in a corporate environment it's always in this like in his houses where he has these like massive wooden edifices everywhere you know um but to see him in a kind of a karaoke bar, I was just like, this is, I've never seen Logan in this environment before. Um, and he has the closest thing to a heart to heart with his children that he can. Uh, and a pretty interesting scene. You know, he, he actually apologizes. He tries to apologize, but like, to me, this is the most heartfelt apology he has issued on the show thus far. Like he has, I remember in season one at Austerlitz, he like tried to apologize and that was horrible. Like this is at least slightly better. Um, because the dude makes some good points, which is, hey, let the deal go through. You get a bunch of money. You can start your thing. I'm starting my thing. Like, it's a good fresh start for everyone. And he's actually right when he says that. Like, that actually would yeah. be good for everyone. Um, but yeah, he has, they enumerate all the terrible things that he's done. And it's like, this is a lot. It's a lot of terrible things, you know, canceling the helicopter, uh, messing up Shiv's divorce situation, you know. All the stuff he did with Kendall, hitting psychologically Roman hitting Roman, like kid. all this, yeah, you know, completely ignoring Connor, like all the stuff he's done. It, it is a formidable amount, a daunting amount of terrible things and trauma. Uh, and one conversation is not going to solve it. Um, but, you know, I, I do think probably, Kim, this is one of their better chats. <laughs> what did you think of this whole confrontation? I don't buy that any of that was actually genuine from Logan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that some of the things that he's saying rang true. And we as the audience have more information because of that Matson call where like when he says, I think Matson's going to walk and Shiv gets really angry and she's like, no, you don't. Like, I understand that reaction, but Shiv doesn't know what we know and what Kendall and Roman know, which is that it is actually probably pretty likely. Um. That he's going to walk. So yeah, there are there are there are points in this conversation where Logan is maybe factually correct, but emotionally it rang completely hollow to me. And in fact, my favorite part of this entire scene was when because he because he doesn't apologize. He try he does the thing where he tries to like say nice things. Well, he and, does say I'm sorry. He does say I'm sorry. But you know? he do, he only <laughs> does that after mm-hmm. he says, I came here to apologize. And right. Shiv goes, and oh, like, interesting. Oh, you, I, I haven't that, heard I that, that yet. I missed that part. I missed that part. Right. Yeah. And then he says, I don't do apologies, which I'm like, what kind of a person gets all the way up to how old is he in his like 70s, 80s? I was just like, come on, man. Like you have not learned once that you might be wrong in your life and that you should apologize sometimes. And then when he finally says, sorry. 
I was like in my head because I've I've had this conversation with people where I'm like, sorry for what? Like mm-hmm. an apology yeah. is not saying the words I'm sorry. Like right. in right. order for someone to really receive an apology, they have to know that you understand what it is that you've done that you're apologizing for. So I was like practically, you know, fist pumping at my TV when Roman's the one who goes like, what are you actually sorry for, dad? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, get him to say something. And then like, I think that Kendall, Kendall, it, Kendall throughout this whole episode, I swear this is like the most we've seen Jeremy Strong smile in mm-hmm. a single episode. Like he's practically like giddy at seeing that like, like I just think that he knows that this isn't going to go well for anyone, which is probably why he's in his little secret burn it all down mode where he's like happily now backing Stewie and Sandy because he thinks he Matson told him directly if you push me on this I'm going to blow it up. So, yeah, I was really keyed in with Roman throughout this whole exchange because Roman seemed to be the one who like was hoping that this was an actual earnest conversation. Like Shiv's just angry and yeah. wants more money and she's operating out of this like divorce fear mode. Yeah. And Kendall yeah. is still in active addiction as far as we know from last mm-hmm. season and into this season. He was just joking about doing heroin in the last episode and is not keeping his sibling's best interest in mind because he's withholding information from them and still being all weird. Connor is in full sad boy mode and like seems to have completely given up on ever getting like meaningful love from his family, which is so tragic. So yeah, I I thought that Roman's Roman's behavior throughout all of this was what I was really plugged into. And I could feel that like Logan was getting Logan was getting to Roman through this faux display of like, no, I actually want things to be better, but I don't, I don't buy it from Logan at all. I understood Shiv when she was like, I cannot trust a word that you say again. And I was like, yeah, I, Logan always just says what he needs to in the moment to hopefully finesse his own deal. And so. One of the things, one of the things that uh, I think Jesse Armstrong said recently, the creator of the show was that, on an intellectual level, he thinks that Roman um, that Logan he thinks that Logan really does believe that Logan loves his children. Like Logan, sure, yeah, thinks that he is trying to do be- the best for them. He's doing it in an extremely toxic and often counterproductive way, uh, but he does believe he loves his children. So I don't know. I, I agree that. If you are going to apologize, you need to identify the things you've done wrong. If you are going to apologize, it, mean, it means more. If you haven't spent a lot of time trying to undermine the people you're apologizing for, uh, you know, outside of this current situation. Um, but you know, it's like that's it's like when uh, in season one when I think Logan accidentally hits Kendall's kid, if I recall that correctly, or something, or he like yells. I don't at him think or that was an accident. He just yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, him. and then Shiv says like, "Hey, this is not remotely one of the worst Thanksgivings we've ever had." This strikes me as not one of the worst chats that the Roys have ever had. It's probably maybe top third. Sure, is my guess. <laughs> sure, um, but I think it's too little, too late. For right? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed, I don't, I don't disagree with that. So anyway, a couple of other developments happen at the end of the episode. Connor leaves. And this is the part that really broke my heart. You know, he says, like, I don't need love. It's like a superpower. You're all needy love sponges, and I'm a plant that grows on rocks and lives on insects that die inside of me, end quote. Which is like a really 
dark Connor. But I also I also fully believe that like he's been on some nature walk out in his like desert you know mm-hmm. thing and like learned that yeah. like learned that from someone else and has just like been waiting to express that as like an analogy for himself uh sad yeah and then he goes home and finds willa is there and you know the the thing that really broke my heart was like you know maybe willa won't come back but even maybe she will come back and she won't love me but it doesn't matter i don't need love and it's like <sighs> it's really really sad and at the same time I understand why he's proud of it because to have survived in this environment where even on when you are at the lowest of the low, your family can't even really come together for you. They can't put business things aside for you is incredibly sad. And if you allow yourself to experience that sadness, you will die, you know, or you Mm -hmm. will die at least spiritually. And so Mm -hmm. the idea that he can continue living on and surviving, um, I understand why he takes pride in that. It's also just really sad that he needs to endure it. So Yeah. Like each of the kids I think are very resilient in their own way, but it is sad. It is sad when people have had to become that resilient yeah. over time. And I think it also reminds me of again what you and David were talking about in the bonus episode about like billionaires this show doing a really good job of showing like the humanity of people and the complexities of them and that people capable of doing awful things also do good things sometimes or like can show those emotions. And to me, what I think is interesting about people who are like these, you know, the fictional characters in the show, but who Mm -hmm. have they're analogous to people in our real world too of like, yeah, I don't think that, someone like a Harvey Weinstein is like a monster. In fact, it's the fact that he's a person like everyone else, but was capable of doing these things is what's it's like the loss of the loss of humanity in people who are still human because they can't access something like love or compassion or kindness towards their fellow human is what's inherently interesting to me. It's not that it's not that people are either good or bad. It's that what is what happens to someone over time to the point that they can do something like close themselves off to love forever mm-hmm. and still walk around the world like a person and have that not, yeah, just completely kill them or isolate themselves into eternity. Like the fact that Connor is still going to go to a wedding tomorrow after that night that he just had with his family mm-hmm. and like get married and put on a brave face and try to be like a presidential candidate. There's tragedy in that. There's tragedy in the loss of like the fullness of life mm-hmm. that he has access to now. Yeah. True. Okay. There is one final button mm-hmm. on the episode. Roman shows up at Logan's house, which I was not expecting. And it feels like they, this is something that they, Perhaps has happened more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most brutal things that happened last season was Logan saying, hey, you don't need to listen to these assholes. Come over to my side, Roman. And Roman refusing and sticking with the other Roy siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of being betrayed by his dad at the end. Um, well, it seems like they're undoing that. And basically, you know, Ro- Roman and Logan have patched things up and... Uh, Logan saying, I need you over here, son, which 
this is when I was like, wait, like, I feel like I've heard this before on this show before, you know? Yeah. When like Logan makes the pitch to Shiv or whoever else, it's like, I need you. And it's, um, that was another thing, by the way, that struck me about the episode was there is a moment when Matson is talking to Kendall mm-hmm. and Matson says, look, Kendall, I like you, you know, I, I don't want you to blow up this deal, basically. Literally any time somebody in the show says the exact words, I like you, they're completely full of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been said many, many times. I think in the first episode, Kendall is talking to, you know, Lawrence and he's like, hey, look, man, I like you, you know, or he's talking to Tom and he says, I like you. And it's like, that's just a bullshit way of someone like one of these people d- trying to emotionally disarm mm-hmm. who they view as an opponent and ultimately be- beneath them. Yeah. Um, and so I, th- my interpretation of that Madsen conversation was when Madsen says, I like you. And Kendall kind of has a smile on his face. He's like, oh, this guy's full of shit. Like I recognize the mm. bullshit artist, you know, mm-hmm. bad game, bad game, recognize bad game, basically. <laughs> yeah. In that moment. Yeah. And Logan also, Logan's description of like deals disappear and it's because jerks like Matson get greedy. And I'm like, you mean like you? <laughs> like <laughs> well, we've yeah. watched you do that from the other side. Of That's like, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying about the yeah. chat though. He's, Kim, he's dropping truth bombs during that. Right. You know, yes, he might be emotionally unavailable and duplicitous, but like he's still saying true things, you know, at the very least. I think it's the hypocrisy (laughs) Mm -hmm, that I can't mm -hmm. get past. Like he says he can observe all these things in other people and he can never acknowledge them in himself. And so Roman's like his ability to draw Roman back in or keep Roman in, it almost seems like Roman never truly stopped staying in touch Mm -hmm. with his dad after Italy. That's sort of like what the inference is here. This is also the first episode where I believe that Roman is a middle child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As Mm -hmm. a middle child myself, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is the episode where he's the one trying to support Connor as best he can. Like out of all the siblings, he's the one being like, no, we should still go. Like we're going to be late, but let's go in there. He's kind of like checking on how everyone's feeling. And then he really cannot bring himself to leave that conflict unresolved with his dad. Like he Mm -hmm. says when he comes in the house, like that didn't feel great. He's trying to make it feel better. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get better by talking to Logan and or Tom more, especially in Logan's turf. Exactly like you said, the fact that Logan went from being like a little on his back foot in the karaoke club to being so relaxed. He has his, he's handing out glasses of liquor, which he loves to do whenever he's, plying a young man to his cause he's sitting there with his ankles exposed i never want to see logan roy's ankles again in a robe Mm -hmm. in the house like there's something so unsettling about seeing him very relaxed when i feel like this is not a man who should have peace (laughs) fair enough fair enough but yes uh logan has called an emergency he's pushing the board meeting yeah. Uh, and he's called an emergency meeting with Matson, Tom, Carl, and Frank, but no Jerry, which I thought was kind of interesting. Jerry being the general counsel, it made me feel like they're going to try to do things that are not strictly speaking legal. Um, oh, I thought he was just punishing Jerry for being near, for for looking amused at the Carrie video in that Logan scene before. But nah, maybe it's... May- maybe. I think basically there are uh, strict laws against um, acquiring mm. companies 
coordinating prior to the acquisition taking place. Got it. Uh, and so my sense is like, they're not even, that's why he, like Madsen's like, I'm not even supposed to be talking with you. Like they're not right. really supposed to be interacting. And so that's why I know Jerry because Jerry's the lawyer. And so she can't see the stuff that is going to take place, which will presumably test the limits of the legalities is my guess. We'll, we'll find out. I prefer so, that because I yeah. love Jerry and she's done nothing wrong and yes. actually deserves peace and money. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know yeah. about. <laughs> no, I, I, t- I, immediately, <laughs> I immediately rescind that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's helped facilitate many terrible things that right. have happened in she's, the company. She's she's right there in it. Yeah, she's just yeah. the least worst. She's a she's a le- less evil version of Shiv. I yeah, think. slightly less evil version of Shiv, but not not that much. And and also like doesn't have the courage of her convictions. Many times she's like trying to she convinces other people to say the bad thing, you know, because she is yeah. trying to survive. She's like a shark. She's swimming. She's trying to. Is it shark the right word? Whatever the thing that survives. Maybe she's the uh, lamprey that's attached to the shark or whatever. You know, she's a good um, barnacle. Yeah, she is barnacle. like a, yes, a yes. an effective an effective barnacle. Yeah, on the on the whale of Logan Roy. <laughs> Indeed, uh, Kendall. At the end of the episode, Kendall seems pretty excited. Shiv's in her own cab. She almost calls Tom. Uh, Connor makes it home to Willa, and uh, you know their their relationship will continue. And uh, that's when we see the Roman and Logan interaction, leading us to this final thing. You know, Logan wants to build another version of ATN. That's the other thing we didn't really talk about. Is like he wants yeah. to make ATN into something even more exciting and dangerous than it was before. And it did strike me as a little weird because um, this feels like something you'd introduce. You know, 18 episodes before the end of your show, as opposed to like eight episodes, because I'm curious, like, I don't think it's going to succeed is my guess. You know, like, I think it's probably going to fail. So we're going to see it spiral downward and fail in the next eight episodes. I'm curious. Um, yeah, any, any, I'm yeah. assuming it's going to be tied into the election now. Like we mm-hmm. were, you know, you would kind of theorize that what we're building towards is going to be Connor and Willow's wedding. But yeah. now I feel like it's the full countdown to election day and obviously atn and logan are deeply entwined in the republican candidacy for this election so yeah i'm waiting for it to fall apart or somehow or skyrocket mm-hmm. somehow yeah based yeah. based around the outcome of this election yeah all right we will get to our favorite one-liners of the episode momentarily until then, I want to remind you folks that you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at decodingtv. And a huge thanks to all of our paid members at decodingtv.com where you can sign up for ad-free episodes, early access, and exclusive bonus episodes. Uh, we thank you for all the paid members for keeping this podcast going. Uh, Kim, where can people find more of your work when you're not here on Decoding TV? You can find me... Over on Twitter, I think my blue check mark's going to be gone by the time time this episode comes out. Very sad. Go find me unverified on Twitter if you want to. Well, you have Um, to tell people what your username is now, otherwise they can't find you anymore. You know what I'm saying? That's true. It's at Kim R. Renfro. Little bonus R there. All the things that the verified people have to put up with that us us plebes have had to deal with for so long, you know? Woe is me. Completely spelling out your username. Anyway, find Kim over there. Find her work at Insider as well. Kim, favorite one-liner of the episode? I got to go with a carry one for this. And mm-hmm. it's if this focus group isn't real, I'm going to take you apart like a human string cheese. Mm-hmm. 
because my God, is that a visual, especially with our very tall Gregory Hirsch, yeah. who yes. she is speaking to in this moment. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of want to see Carrie pull <laughs> Greg apart like a human string cheese. Mm-hmm. I uh, Just a perfect, a perfect visual, a perfect zinger. And like for someone who clearly is should be on her back foot in that conversation because that audition tape was not great and everybody is laughing at her. Like for her to still come away victorious with that mic drop was wow. But my I have a runner up if I can this week. Please, please. Because as I said, I want to watch Carrie and Greg just talk to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Greg trying to fumble through what to tell her the focus group thought was bad about her audition tape. So funny. So my runner up is is this quote minor shit like nothing great great package maybe a little arm the arms aren't right it's it's a little on tv and i was like greg her arms are a little un tv it's just <laughs> incredible incredible stuff what was I yours like, for the week i liked it's like jaws if everyone worked for jaws which is <laughs> just a really stark mental image uh, that i really appreciate it looked like to have logan just like mm. coming up behind someone watching them send an email yeah or send Uh, the email faster but yeah send the email faster great one-liners as usual thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of decoding tv we'll be back next week with another episode recapping succession until then stay safe out there folks goodbye bye Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.